one must belong one must be for tribe this is mhandisi the engineer's podcast my name is lorenz newton a graduate engineer turned podcast host Handisi's focus is to empower the engineer and each month we bring an inspiring guest or message speaking in the language of the engineer karibu tuimarike pamoja Welcome back. Welcome again to Mhandis the Genius Podcast. This is um, Newton, Louis Newton the host. And today um you're going to have a discussion on the Engineers Act 2011 that's the Engineers Rules of um 2022 the scale of fees. And with me is uh a producer um Mr. Okello. The first yes. Yeah, today yes, Okello mimi nakwanga tu mtu behind the scenes, but today we have decided to try something different. Even the format is different. If anybody is listening to the only the audio today to kind of video kwa YouTube so you can at least see us if you've never seen us before and we just want to have yeah just a, a, a discussion on the engineers scale of fees um, or engineers rules in general which I think is kind of like an interesting topic at least for anybody who wants to practice um, in the engineering field especially for young professionals getting into the field it's important to to know about these rules yeah Well um it's important again to mention that uh, it's not only uh, rules that apply to uh, professional engineers that I mean engineers that are getting into the field even those that have been in the field uh, it's um, necessary that um, you are aware that this rules exists you know what it says and um, yeah you can get this rules easily you can go to the ABK website and and get to see and and even read through as uh, we shall have discussed and pointed out um what we considered important um again could be subjective depends on our interpretation but this is um our opinion i just wanted to point that out so that um somebody cannot take legal action against us this is just an interpretation of young engineers and um a yeah, disclaimer it is uh, it is not advice it is not professional advice it is just yeah what to we are just talking thinking through it because also i think the one of the things we are also planning is this can also this is just the beginning of the conversation hopefully further along we may even just invite other guests uh to speak more about it uh to even get more clarification yes um and that sets the ground so for um this rules were actually gazetted um the month of february that is uh, 2022 quite recent um and what we're also doing again is to get the word out there that we have rules that apply to professional engineering services um i think that it is important again as as an engineer uh, practicing in the various uh, uh fields that um you look into this and you are aware that the rules exist so that you can even use it to guide your day-to-day work um so yes what what is what what uh this engineering disciplines again that are recognized by the board so we have a number of 11 disciplines recognized um and that is aerospace and you know i think before we before we begin with uh with going into the disciplines i think we, we should probably talk about perhaps why does the document exist in the very first place why perhaps the dbk say see it fit to to design these rules uh like we can just start from there just at least to give people the motivation as to why they should even care 
about the document. Okay. Um, fair enough. Fair enough. So the the um, there are separate, several ways to look at it. One would be the, the, the objective of the rules. But again, remember that there was no framework um, with which engineers would have used to to even um, cost their services. Mm-hmm. Of course, from, uh, from where I sit, um, there's a question that has always been, and I've tried to really know how to do it, which is how do you value your work? And, and, and part of knowing how you um, you value your work is what is um, the directives given in this document. Yeah. And and what um, I find interesting interesting is, is is the way the document is even structured and 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 to the extent that um, you are directed that this is what you're supposed to do at this point. This is what you're supposed to do. Um, this is how you're supposed to cost this. I think that is uh, necessarily important and we shall look into it. But um, yeah, when a producer, you can uh, point out what I may not have seen. Yeah, I think also part of uh, one of the, uh, something uh, um, additional to add for the, for it is like, yeah, just also to give guidance for um, how engineers should charge, as, as you've said, and also just to create a framework just for harmonious operating so that also, I think one of the one of the stipulations is like they want to prevent undercutting uh, by and among engineering services, because you know you want you you want to at least have a certain level of quality to say like if you're constructing something, this is like the minimum cost, so that if someone is trying to cut corners, you're like no, that's illegal. These rules don't allow that. So creating that framework, it's it um it creates an environment within which the engineers can provide their services uh, successfully. But also, if you have a framework, it's not just also just protecting the engineers alone. It's also uh, protecting the people who will have to, uh, how do I put it, deal with this with the with the, with the infrastructure that the engineers have created. So it's both cr- protecting the engineer and also protecting the the general public uh, to to ensure at least the the socioeconomic development of the country is is realized. So I think that's why at least uh, the rules uh, are important. Uh, in that uh, in, in that aspect, that's something that was uh, that's been included in the in the document. Yeah, yeah, and 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 um, in in so many words, what you would have said is, I mean, just paraphrasing what you said. One of the objective again of this rules is to ensure that we have quality services and that the clients get the value for money. Um, there's no point actually if you're constructing a house and you end up cutting corners to the extent that uh, your building collapses, endangering the lives of the persons, the person networking in the building, um, the neighbors, and um, um, other infrastructure users. We have seen that happen in this country. Um, a few months ago, we had uh, several houses collapsing in like, uh, we had one in Kiambu, we had one along some, uh, some time in Gong Road. And, um, one of the things that came out again, even even as the board looked at the, the, the resource as to why we had that uh, that challenge, is that the works that were done um, in that site were not done um, through the avenue that the law I mean recommends, which is to procure professional services from professional engineers. Um, how does okay? What 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 is the point of having these professional services? 
um, and, and, and what are actually the professional services. I mean, uh, if, if you look at the rules again, um, it's it's instructive in the sense that uh, you are told what this professional, what exactly these professional services are. And again, for an engineer, before you're able to charge the services, there, there's some level of, um, uh, let me call it thought process and, and deliverables that you're supposed to have to the extent that um, gets you to a point where um, the outputs are said to be professional. There is also some form of training again in this regard because you, you might be in a position of un, um, being unaware of what, uh, or rather you are doing something because it has worked, but not necessarily in the correct way as um, as directed here. This is actually what we we'll call um, our Bible for, for the rules. And, and, and it should form the benchmark or the the, the standards that uh, all engineers actually should use. And, and, and for, uh, I think I had jumped the gun and, and, and went to actually point out what are the, the, the disciplines recognized um, because it is necessary to know who, um, I mean, who are these persons within the engineering fraternity that these rules apply to. Okay, so so I think at least since we we have now the general picture, you can now proceed at least to now let's start defining. Yeah, you can mention the the fields. So we we have we are, we are directed actually to um, that is we are having eleven recognized fields. We have aerospace, agricultural, biomechanic, biomedical, or medical. That is um, engineering. We have chemical. We have civil and structural, electrical. Um, electronic and telecommunication. I mean, um, it's important again to mention here that uh, electrical and electrical, that is, and then electronic and telecommunication are two separate recognized fields. I mean, we'll see that um, even as the deliverables are concerned. As we Though you can also argue electronic can be its own separate thing and telecommunications can be its own separate thing. But let's let's leave it as the board does. Yeah, yeah, I mean, to I mean in, the wisdom, in the wisdom <laughs> of the board, that, that is what we have. Um, mm. uh, of course, arguments can be, but yeah, um, we can look at it later. So we also have marine, we have me uh, mechanical, mechatronic, and then um, mining. Of course, the, the, there are certain fields here that um, I didn't know uh, that, that the board recognized or I uh, was in, I was not actually aware I'm here to meet an agricultural engineer um, but I think that um, in future you might want to bring even that person to bring um, um, some perspective in how that applies to, to us as a, as, a, as a country yeah so we um, the scope of this source again as, as we have defined is um, it, 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 it is directive that it is going to be applied to operational engineering services offered by an engineer or a firm. Um, so if you are involved in the business of engineering, that is you design, you do some construction, um, so long as it, it can be called professional, then these rules apply to you. We will see it even um, as we move forward. Yeah. Although there was a question I think I had posed to you because uh, you know the rules as, as they're stipulated is for an in, an individual engineer or a firm. And I think I'd asked you what happens to to engineers <laughs> who are working within a firm. How do they get to work? How do they get to to 
is there a way that they can benefit from these rules? But yeah, we'll we'll figure that out as we go along. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, let me just get that going because I think it's it's a good question. Um, of course, yes, you can benefit as an engineer working in a firm for the reason that uh, you'd have clarity of your deliverables. You'd actually know from what step you're required, what um, is needed of you, and what qualifies to be called as a particular engineering services. Now, where we draw the line, I think, at this point, uh, my interpretation is where the compensation comes in. Mm. You might be doing professional work, yes, and, and, and um, in a way, you could be a source of cheap labor. But because you are you negotiated, um, let me call it contract, without this knowledge, then this can form the basis of new knowledge, and in your subsequent contract, you can put to use the the, um, the requirements or the directives you are being given here. Of course, there's a long way to go. Um, it's not a quick win thing, but um, we shall discuss it as as we go along. But I think it was, it was important to just point that out. Um, it's not pres- prescriptive that you're being told, okay, um, go and tell your employer this. Uh, we're just telling you that the rules exist. You can go through it, read through it, and then now um, probably in our discussion you can get one or two. But again, um, at the end of the day, the discussion shall be between you and your employer and you'll be able to get some, let me call it some form of guidance. I'm not uh, pretty sure that is uh, clear. Yeah, I think that, that that's yeah, that's good enough. Yes, yeah. but again, there's something here that um, I think is quite necessary to look at, and and, and that is um, the the record drawings or the spill drawings, and and um, what is mentioned here, I think this applies again to what I do on a day to day basis. Um, the record drawings are interpreted here, or are, we are being directed, are prepared by the contractor or the person who did the works for approval by the professional engineer. Um, sometimes you may find in, in certain situations where um, the, the, the record drawing or what the contractor did is absent um, and something that uh, probably our contractors might need to improve on um, uh, where you just say nothing changed much. It's not, it's not clear. It's not... Um, um, it's not very, very, very descriptive per se, but when you say it didn't change much, uh, it would have been better if um, a sketch would have been made. And then now the engineer looks at it and then now approves or disapproves. And then um, the interpretation again here is that the drawing should represent what was done. Yeah. Uh, exactly. So if, if there's some form of guesswork that has to come in, then um, that comes out to be not the correct thing to do. But yes, um, I think that was uh, what I also wanted to put out. Um, I think so maybe just something on. else, before we move, just something I wanted to mention is like maybe another document that may be of interest is there's, um, there's the Engineers Act, the Engineers Act of 2011, which I think uh, is, is, it would be pretty important for someone to also look at because it has some of the some of the definitions um that uh, these particular engineer rules kind kind of pulls from like for instance the definitions of like you know if you want to read more definitions of what a farm a project or an engineering system is so it, it gives those definitions and also like this document was also kind of like 
pulled it, it it was derived from one of the mandates i think it was in section 7.1 of the engineers act a mandate for the for the for ebk to create at least um it's, it's one of the functions of ebk to to kind of like create uh how to create these rules I just put it that way so you may want someone may also want to in their own time just to also have that document in the back of their mind to also just look at it yeah uh, going forward, I think maybe something uh, like to, le- looking at this, the way I've seen it is like the way these rules are, are divided are kind of like divided in terms there's the standard professional engineering services, and then there's also a now additional uh, engineering services, and each of these there's a different way there are different set of rules for each of those categories, and also there's a different set of uh, way in which the the, the of different ways of uh, price of, of fees you can you can charge for the different uh, sections so i think we can we can start with the defining what the standard professional engineering services are and what the stages are good so um i think there's the, the there's a thin line between the additional professional engineering services and then now the the, the standard professional services because um i think my reading of the document says at the point that uh, you get to site and um, your um, like your advice is being sought for a project that uh, is not necessarily the project that you're working on, then that stands out to be additional services uh, or does not have an implication exactly on what you're doing at that point in time. Then that stands out to be additional services. But but of course, yes, uh, going forward, we might uh, get more clarity on that. So for me, um, the standard professional services, um, we have it again um, given in, in several stages. That is, we have the deception stage, um, we have the preliminary design stage, we have again the detailed design stage the tender stage, and then the contract administration stage, and lastly, the closeout stage. Um, so in the inception stage, again, it's in, um, instructive for us to have the, the, the definitions, uh, or rather, um, what do we have in the inception, in the inception stage? We are being told, again, that uh, for projects where the nature and form of the function has been defined um, through previous, um, that is, engagements or investigations, um, there's a directive on what you're required to do there and um, part of the key deliverables again in that stage include a technical and feasible, uh, financial feasibility and related implications reports. That is, uh, you'd give a report on that. Then you'd have a report on consents and approvals and again, generally the information on the project. So in, 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 this, in this stage, um, we, we are seeing again that you can have uh, projects of two forms. That is where everything is defined, and then now um, where um, uh, nothing. Okay, let me say the, the project was not defined, so you need to do like some form of investigation as as the engineer yourself. So part two of it, rather um, the other aspect of it, um, the, some of the deliverables include a signed agreement with the client, an agreement with the client on the scope of works and services, and and a report on the project requirements. That is um, in the case where um you already have defined like the project the project is known like it, it is just quite clear what you're supposed to do um uh, probably okay we can jump in 
yeah because i think yeah so i think the way at least i understood it is maybe yeah because it's like it, one the project has been done before you have experience and everything so it's just a matter of format. so it's kind of like yeah let's say for instance if you're building you know what is required you know what kind of permits are required all the parameters are just known so all you have to do is just get in and start doing the work and maybe the other side is now maybe if let's say i don't let's say you say maybe you're doing some kind of cutting edge design or the client on something that is kind of unknown um that's where now you may need to uh now you as the engineer in the inception stage is kind of like different the way you're you're, you're, you're approaching it because now you, in that particular point if it's not properly it's not been done before you're not really sure about it that's when now you, you need to start figuring out what is required is because I think there was something else that I found interesting. You have to one of the things is you have to see. I don't know if it's here, but it's you have to see if the project it's it's the responsibility of you as the engineer to say is this project actually financially, technically and financially feasible. Like if the client is coming, can can we actually build this using the engineering principles? Will will it be financial uh, financially uh, feasible for you as the client? So those are the different kinds of requirements. So. Of course, if it's if it's well and done, that's relatively easy for you. But also, you you, you approach a project from those two sides. I have this has been done before. We know the the procedures. We know the permits we need, and this has not necessarily been done before. And we need to do some bit of investigation. So those are at least the two big uh, entry points of a project. Yeah, and and, and just to put um, again a scenario that we have probably seen in, in the previous days is. Um, you might get to a position where the client requires your input, uh, kind of just asking you um, about a specific project, not necessarily contracting you, but um, uh, the way you just, like, somebody needs your advice, and then now you give that this advice ex- with the expectation that, okay, sometime in future, probably this project can come through and, and, and I'll be given this project. But this client decides to go through your back um, with your input, finds himself a fundi, and then now they say the engineer said this, the full interprets, and then now they start working. But you see, um, you have been bypassed in that case, and and your services have been. We could actually argue in courts that your services have been used, but you have not benefited yourself. Yeah, you've um, not been compensated. Yes, you've not you've not been compensated. Uh, so we will see again as we go along um, what they will say about that. And, and, and at what point do you um, get into even um, request or rather how do you come to, to know what compensation they're supposed to do? Now, the next stage is uh, the preliminary design stage. Uh, of course, my interpretation here is um, these are just um, high-level designs that uh, would allow for decision-making. And, and, and uh, part of... Um, um, what we see here is um, the, the engineer is required to prepare and finalize the project scope. Um, that is again taking input um, uh, from the briefs and uh, and, and, and um, scale and functions uh, of what you had in the preliminary stage. So some of your important again to mention key deliverables include a concept design. Um, just uh, probably my understanding explains um, your approach of the problem and how you're going to, uh, to take it through and then now there's now the design of it uh, for example let's say you are um, uh, doing uh, a cable installation somewhere uh, 
you need again to explain how you arrived at uh, probably your, your your design inputs in what helped you to arrive at the design or rather the cable sizes that you have and then now there's the what the equivalent of the layout that you're going to have in that case which can form and, and be part of the preliminary design and then now what follows again from that is that you have to cost this again you need to have your cost estimates and then now reports on the investigations or surveys uh, for example you went i mean you saw um the cable this cable is going to take a longer route i'm going to have challenges on voltage drop you revise the design um again from your survey and then say this is what is going to happen um but generally the the, the gist of it is that this is a high level design that uh, is going to allow for decision making yeah i think i think for that yeah i think that we've covered it i don't think i want to um add anything on that i don't know did we because the part you're saying i think there was something did we mention that in the inception stage is where i think you are signing an agreement with the client no i mean that is that is um yes i mean i, I mentioned that uh in, ah, okay. in the inception stage you you have to approach us that is um one where the the, the project scope uh, or rather uh, no, it's okay. If you information is it's okay. I just want I think I just wanted to at least I think uh, I wanted to figure uh, at least if you're sending the there at least that's where at least maybe the engineer gets their protection. So so we can go to the detailed design stage now. No, I mean you uh, there's something that again <laughs> uh, is worth pointing because I'm on the, the agreement is only on the second bit of of the inception stage where everything is already known. You understand like the project um scope the project definitions um already de- design i mean um um in the, the investigations of the project are, are already available and you just have to come and pick that as inputs and then now um let's say the, the client has gotten to a point where they've made a decision they're going to move forward with the project but in the first in the first instance we are not um given directions on uh, whether to have a signed agreement or otherwise where the, the 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 scope of the project and um, the details of the project are not known, so you have to move. You have to start from first principles. So in that case, we are not directed whether you are going to have a signed document. But I think the question that you're putting out um, has to do something with compensation, and we will see that when we get to um, the, the compensation uh, stage. Mm-hmm. No, okay. not stage per se. Stage is not the correct word. Like compensation. Um, details when you're being directed on how to to, to seek compensation. Yeah, so, so again, from the preliminary stage, you'll have to move into the detailed design stage, assuming, for example, that the project uh, has been allowed to proceed. Um, and now in this stage, you, the engineer now is supposed to develop now the, uh, the approved, because now your concept has to be approved. Um, probably by um, let's say the client or the details of what you expect to have in the project have been seen and uh, let's say the client has their consultant and their consultant has said okay this is sound and this is a good engineering practice we can proceed so you have to now develop what we call something that can be constructed and now um, you're supposed to move now to develop the approved concept to finalize the design um, of course, outline the specifications, uh, cost your plan, etc., etc., and 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 um, again, what are the deliverables that you are expected to have here? 
you need to have your detailed design drawings. Um, uh, in the case of final drawings, again, they need to be signed by the design engineer. The two engineers, actually, the design engineer and the professional engineer. Because remember, there's, there's that bit where your drawings are being looked, like you're the one who has designed them. But now there's that review, professional review, by another party that um, is an engineer again, uh, probably more experienced than yourself, so that we ensure that there are no, um, th there are no professional, I mean, uh, not professional, but something that probably had forgotten. Um, so again, the another uh, output will be clear and complete contract drawings. Um, if you are dealing with the bill of materials, like, uh, bill of quantities or bill of materials, um, we need to have that. Again, project specifications. Um, my thinking of this is anything to do with uh, what I'll call, um, if you are guiding a supplier or you are guiding, you need to procure some items. You need to say exactly what equipment you need. If it's a tra transformer, um, what is the rating of the transformer? Uh, what are the service conditions? Um, so that the manufacturer is able to supply you the exact thing that you have or you want to put in your uh, in your project. So you also have local authorities and regulatory authorities submission drawings and reports. Um, again, um, the government has to check and see that you are within the laws, uh, what you call the regulator, and then the detailed estimates of your project costs. I mean, that is it um, as far as the, the, the detailed design is concerned. And, and I think this is quite instructive because at some point um, uh, you might find that uh, not everything or not, um, not the whole process is followed. Uh, you can get a contractor who just um, gets the project um, we just do things on the go. That might not be the correct way to do. We are being given directions here and, and, and um, we, we should follow the, the commandments that are being set here by, by the board. Anything that um, you may want to put across? Maybe maybe the part where I want clarification is like, because, I mean, you are talking about the design engineer and professional engineer, where we are saying the professional engineer is checking the work of the design engineer. And I was assuming that's kind of like some kind of authority. What's the difference between now the local authority checking the work and now this professional engineer? Because I was assuming, uh, yeah. Well, um, th that's a good ask. I've not actually thought about that before. But um, my thinking is, you see the professional engineer looks at it from the point of um, um, the soundness of the design. You see, for example, you might have said, let's say you are doing uh, some cable connections. And, and for example, the, the cable connections that you are saying you have missed, let's say, um, a significant item. Let's say you require some cable lags and you have not had that in your design. And uh, because of the project pressure, some items um, have been missed or some items are not clear. You know, you might think in your head that um, this drawing is significantly clear, but when somebody else looks at it, it can be interpreted another way. So the question, so okay, maybe the, where uh -huh. is the professional? Where is the professional engineer coming from? Like, okay, are we talking? When you, okay, let's, let's just when you're looking at the that where the design and the, are they coming from the same? Are they coming from the same farm or something like that? 
Like is that like for me, I, I am like say I am the engineer, I'm, I'm the farm. So when you're talking about this designer and professional engineer, is it now at my farm level before any involving other authorities, or is now are they? Is it like I am the I have design and then a professional engineer separate from my organization has to look at my drawings? Uh huh. So there there are two ways to look at it. One would be if you have a professional engineer within your farm, because again, you know, um, we we do not have like sufficient professional engineers in the country. Okay. They, they cannot look at all the documents. So you might find sometimes in certain farms, we people are yes experienced, but the law requires that a professional engineer should look at them. You understand? All right. Yeah. Um, so the local authority now would check in um, and see that you have met the requirements of the regulator. Okay, so I think understand. I understand now. So it's basically like if you're a if you're from if let's say you're a farmer and you already have a professional engineer, you can just do it in-house. But yes. if you don't if you've done the design but you don't have someone who's registered as a professional engineer, now it is up to you now to maybe outsource, maybe or subcontract a professional engineer for that just for that part of approving the document. Yeah, reviewing the designs actually. Just reviewing the design correctly. Yeah. 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 Oh, okay. All right. Now that, that that makes sense. Now at least I I am able to differentiate between, or at least to clearly separate between the what the professional engineer does and what the local authorities do. Okay. So once the detailed design stage is is, is done and um, the project is in a good position, of course you 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 get now to tender procure the the, the items. Um, so this is now where we know. Uh, uh, the government guys are happy. Mm. So the, 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 the guys are just sitting in the office. They have done the, um, um, the, the they receive this documentation. Let's say this, this is a, a government project. Uh, of course, the first step would have been uh, sending out the bids, procurement guys. So um, request for quotations or uh, yeah RFQ. And then now you get the quotations, you check with the quotations you look at actually the the, the 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 documentation that the service providers have provided you see now here that there are two parties involved that is the 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 tender guy the tender engineer and then now there's the procuring entity like let me say the service provider who now tenders for the for the for the project um one of the services again that's supposed to be offered here by the professional engineer is to review the of the designs drawings and schedules in accordance you see now there's a budget so it is the work of the tender engineer in this case i mean not not tender engineer but the guy working in i mean giving services as part of the tendering uh stage to review and to ensure that we're within the budget and and again some of the very significant um, deliverables in this stage include specifications and stamped working drawings. Um, whether where now you have agreed with a selected contractor, they have understood the drawings, they are okay with the drawings, so we move on. So, stamped drawings, uh, tender documentation, including priced tenders. Uh, we also have evaluation reports, which will now say, okay, person uh, company X or um, engineer X. Uh, has met the requirements of um, what we wanted in this project and therefore we are selecting him because probably he's the lowest bidder or meets um, the criteria that we had set and meets all of them. Because now those people that has, did not meet this 
um, requirement. You also have to tell them why they did not meet this requirement. I'm not sure if that is um, entirely the process, but again, it's, it's good practice. Um, similarly, the way you apply for a job and you are told, okay, we selected, um, I mean, you are unable to qualify, uh, probably your pricing was not correct, or you are too high on costs, so that this person can improve next time. The other item, again, that we have here is um, priced contract documentation. So that now you have agreed as a contractor, I'm going to do this work for 200000 You don't come again now in future and say, no, that was not the case uh, without without substantiating and saying that the, we, we need to have this contract be $2 million. Um, I don't know if I don't know if that made sense. So is it like so that means is uh, in the tender say is that when now you finalize all the payments or whatever okay is it like you finalize the contract between you and the client because remember just say, uh-huh. in the preliminary I remember in the preliminary stage was that it was just no in the inception stage for when the the design the design is known or 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 the whatever the the project specifications are known. It was just a signed agreement with the client. But then now I'm seeing the tender stage is at least one of the ways is uh, a, a price contract doc- documentation. So yes, yeah, so is this contract now the way now you're saying this is how yeah a signed contract with the how compensation is going to work? Yeah, you're going um, to say. I think to me the the. the um what is also what should be clear again here is that um, you can have separate firms doing this. Um, the, the, there's somebody who has a niche in um, doing surveys, for example, and 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 um, they have uh, they they do not want to proceed to uh, to to administer or work with the project. So they are input in that stage. They sign that agreement. They they provide the input of the project. And then go again to like two other works, or they are not involved again in that project. So in that case, that contract that was signed before was for the services that were offered in the inception stage. So now we move from the inception stage, we go to the preliminary design stage. Of course, the inception stage and the preliminary stage can be done by let's say one firm um, or separate firms. But again, the deliverables and the services offered in the preliminary stage only apply in the preliminary stage, but the project is moving forward. So you get to a point where the project is supposed to be, um, I mean, actualized, and this price contract, uh, let, let me, um, in our local term, we'll actually call it, um, like the contractor. You see now the contractor might not have been involved in the inception stage, in the preliminary design stage, and even in the detailed design stage. Yeah, and I put that to like, okay, where's the drawing? I am supposed to place this spot here and here. Where, where, um, where, where's the design? You get. So it is for the works of the construction that we have this priced contract documentation. Is that, uh, am I, have I made sense? Or still, we are still in the dark? But okay, looking at the document, you know, there's always like there's always the term where okay, it's kind of like you always have a lead engineer for the project mm-hmm. who's supposed to go through each and every single one of these, the whole of this. So it depends. It is now the lead who would probably, if he needs someone, because I, I don't think I, I would think the client would be like, I need an engineer to work on this. This is my project. Then they take to an engineer, and whatever needs to be done. 
uh, whatever whatever services that or services that need to be done. So it is this. It is the it is the lead engineer who decides I need to bring this person in at this particular stage, and I need to bring this other person in at this particular stage. So those are kind of like now the responsibility of the lead engineer, who whoever other engineers will bring. So that's why I'm trying to because if you sign a contract with the client, however you're going to divide this work, it's now the burden is on you as the lead engineer rather than on the client. So whatever you have agreed in the contract with the client you should have already factored in all those different kinds of things. Oh, yeah. I, I actually see where you come from. Um, let's say, let's say Farm X has been contracted to do all these works. Good. Mm-hmm. Like, they, like the, the client does not know all these things. The client does not know anything to do with the inception stage, does not know anything to do with um, uh, even the tender stage. All the client requires is okay. What are the numbers? Um, where are we? Um, so let's say there is that person that handles that side from the client, and 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 uh, let's assign the name to this person as the lead engineer. But you see again, it is the lead engineer cannot perform all these works. So there's somebody, there's somebody that's going to do this contracting, this doing of the works on the ground. You understand? So it is this mtuamkono that um of course i'm giving a simplified explanation but it isn't to amkono that is now going to get us or rather has would form an um uh, would be a function again of this priced contract let's say let's say let's say let's say let's say let's say you are constructing a road mwana unajenga thicker super highway of course the 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 there could be the company that is um administering that contract is working through to develop or rather work that road but again there there, there are small small things that are being done there for example um the drainage the drainage could be done by the design could be done by by somebody else but again a small a small company can be subcontracted to do that the polling i mean the 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 the, the supply of for example the the supply and direction of uh, let's say the, the street lights could be done by a separate company so you see now this supply and delivery um, can form part of the priced contract. I'm not. Yeah, so so that's clear? what I'm saying. So, so what I'm saying, like I'm saying, at the price contract, that's when you're saying between you and the client. So the lead engineer, as the lead, mm-hmm. you should have factored. You should already know these are the people that I'm going to need. These are the subcontractors I'm going to need. If I need other engineers, these are all the people I'm going to need. Then you you present to your to your to your client and say this is the pricing factoring all those things so basically i was just saying like the price quarter is like where we say like this is what the project is going to cost having me as a lead engineer having factored in everything so if i'm going to have contractor for preliminary that's that's already been factored in so that's what i just, just trying, I'm, I'm thinking oh yeah, yeah i mean that is correct because um yeah before even you are you, you are allowed to be the lead engineer of the project where your firm is accepted as to work on the on the works you have factored in all your costs Mm. Um, and, and part of defining the scope again is for you to really understand um, where you come in in the project, what you, what your value within the project is going to be, and what you're going to outsource. Um, important again to mention here that the client might not be aware of these small, small works that you are giving to specialized firms if you are the, the like the lead engineer. The client just wants to know that, okay, Mamboyangu, Iko... Um, 
we are progressing well and we shall meet the target deadline. If we say we are constructing this thing and it's going to take us one year, it is you now to manage this one year to the extent that by the time one year is over, my project is complete. Okay. So, so yes, so. Um, those are the things that I, um, that you consider. Again, the engineer has to be that significantly experienced to know that all these things um, are required. There was that we are also seeing again out here where um, somebody, because they have the financial muscle, uh, procures the services of an engineer ad hoc. Mm. When you register a company, like we have seen some of our politicians do, um, to register a company, you are part of the tenoring committee, you come here ask, okay, Anthony, I want to construct a school. How much? Uh, let's say 700,000. So you get your pricing of the 700,000 and you ensure that everyone that bids, you have bitten them. But you have no um, engineering background. So you work behind the doors. Again, you're the one who's going to pay this project. So so um, you come in, get a fundi, get somewhere, get somebody who does drones for you, like uh, not necessarily following the right procedure or following the right procedure but not as directed according to the rules that we are having here. So yes, um, yeah. moving on again, we get to, once you have done the tendering, um, so we are doing the works now. Uh, we are having the contract administration stage. And um, the, um, the several works here, I mean, this would require an engineer to I mean, be around or attending site visits and technical progress meetings. Um, again, inspecting the works for works for conformity with the um, with the contract and, and and your key deliverables here would include construction documentation and schedules of pre- predicted cash flow. I'm not pretty sure where that. Um, I'm not involved in a project that does that, but anyway. Um, Again, contract instructions, um, estimates of proposed variations and variations for payment certificates, if any. Again, um, progress reports, etc., etc. So there are a lot here, by the way. Um, probably from from a design point of view, I might not be able to see all of them, but um, you can you can jump in here, okay? No, I think I think this is where now uh, the rubber meets the road. Whereby, yeah, at least I think for for at least for most of the rules, it's just like um, just making sure that the the that the work is actually happening. So like, uh, well, okay, this one I think one of the things we were talking about is we were saying we were just having just a light discussion. We were saying some of these rules are mostly meant for 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 the built environment kind of stuff. Because they, they always they're, there's, there's quite a bit of talking about making site visits and everything, and you know, one of the things I always think about is when you're doing something with the electronics and where is the site visit? You're just busy designing your stuff. But yeah, but basically, it's just the contract administration is just giving just the details about all the rules about how you should deal with the inspecting. Uh, the site, making sure everything's going well as it is, making sure you have the certificates and everything. So it's just the work being done. But it's it's quite in, kind of interesting uh, that they've given quite a, a, a more emphasis on the de- like the design stage is, is divided into so many. Uh, the artist is divided into preliminary design stage and 
detailed design stage i don't know i would have felt like maybe because now i feel as if the most critical part is when you're actually constructing something because that 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 uh, i don't know i don't know whether it, they, it it's okay i don't know what you think should there be at least maybe a bit of uh seg- seg- segmentation on on how they they're talking about the site or the giving rules on on the actual the actual construction or is it just okay for it to be lumped up into one big thing i think um i think it's a project by project uh, case huh? um if you're constructing a house you might not necessarily have the same contract administration uh, cutouts as someone who is constructing let's say a dam or or someone who is working as you have said in an electronics project i think the way i look at it is um, for the reason that the outputs of the design stages have been um, identified what you only do with the construction stage is you f- you take the design and then now you follow okay we have said that you need to get us um we need to lay this cable from um point a to point b how is it said in the design yes timber worker um 1.5 meters underground when you go to the contract administration stage now is um the only thing you need to check as an engineer is are we have we measured the 1.5 depth that the design says yes or no uh, what is the width? Because that is now um, the, the width of, of, of the tent. What is the width of the tent? We are saying, let's say even um, uh, 30, um, um, 3,000 millimeters, for example. Have we met that? Yes, we have met that. Then lay the cable. It, uh, I think that to me, it's not necessarily um, important, or rather the board in its wisdom um, was actually correct to lump it up. Because if, again, you would go on into details of all the projects, um, you constrain yourself. It is now up to the engineer again, um, based on the training that they have had, to look at the stages and interpret them as um, as is. For me, I think it's quite fine. Um, not really necessarily uh, something that um, should have been considered by the board. But um, again, you're, you're given leeway here. Uh, you know you cannot be micromanaged. Like everything, 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 Kabisa. I mean, you have been trained, man. You used your think from first principles, execute. I think for me, we are we are, we are fine with that. Okay, so so let's now finish up the standard professional service with the closeout stage. But uh, even on the closeout stage, um, there's no again directive here on um, the key deliverables. But of course, there are certain services mentioned, like for example, pre- preparation of project final accounts um uh, acquisition of us built drawings and documentation remember again pale was built or record drawings we had said that it is the um the contractor who is to do that so that now it is approved by the professional engineer now when you are closing out this stage you collect all this documentation so now when we say okay um maybe the project we are done this are uh, the documentation if you go through it again you can see what was done um i think uh, close it's quite pretty forward. I mean, uh, somebody can just read through and be able to understand what's going on. Okay. So, so far we have looked at three or two sections of the of the scale of rules, the prelimi- preliminary, 
and the standard professional engineering services. But as I was saying before, uh, there's also the provision for additional professional engineering um, services. And for the, uh, for the additional professional engineering services, they're kind of uh, largely segmented into additional professional engineering services of a general nature. And then there's also the additional prof professional engineering services of a specialist uh, nature. Maybe the question would be like, what is considered to be, what is what is additional uh, professional engineering? What is an additional professional engineering service? And this is something that the services can generally be provided by an engineer or firm if it is either requested by the client or consented to by the client. So, because I'm thinking, look at this, look at looking at these two options is that. Either the client can say, I want something to be done, or you can be, I am the engineer, I have seen something that was not within scope and I want to involve. So you as a client, are you willing to to, to agree to this and, and pay for these extra services? So something that can be considered uh, uh, an additional professional services is, for instance, if your client comes and makes inquiries which are not directly concerned with the with with the, with those current works and its subsequent utilization, so I don't know. For this, I'm, I'm just kind of thinking if like the client has ex, just something that's not with necessarily within the scope of what you had agreed. Maybe they want to the thing about expansion. I don't know. Let's just say the thing about expanding or something, but it was not It is not necessarily designed to the work. You're not being built. You're not. You do, you did not get into a contract with that. You can say, okay, fine. Those are additional services that, that that you're offering i think those are another part was that i found kind of interesting uh was whereby in in let me just find it or if you can jump in if you have some have you, have you really thought about what you want to say <laughs> um yeah i think for me um a few of the items that stood out actually are the services pointed out um for example um of 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 general nature um if for example you get to a position where you're supposed to negotiate a contract with um say a subcontractor and that uh, this subcontractor um, uh okay you are supposed to negotiate a con a contract or a subcontract with a contractor and this contract needs to be selected other than by competitive tendering you see now in the in the, in the tendering stage, probably you your people worked and and um, you're able to identify a contractor. At some point, the one that was identified got to um, was unable to deliver as expected. Now you need to renegotiate with another contractor, other than not going through the, like um, the competitive bidding process. So that qualifies according to the services identified here as an additional service. Um, another example would be. Um, let's say the client wants you to provide uh, project management services or construction management services and that that was not part of the scope. That qualifies again as additional services. Um, the one that I like to highlight so much is the one on the inquiries the, for services or rather for items. Um, let's, let's say that like equipment that are not directly concerned with the works that you're working on at that point in time. Um, and also its subsequent utilization. If, for example, you, Anthony, is um, the client, and then now you come and tell me, okay, you know, I have a friend of mine who is also 
um uh wanting to like say we have worked on you on a project of say uh, installation works and record installation works and then now that you that that friend of yours also wants he's also considering building and then now also wants to um procure the services of electrical um installation services and the advice that i might give in that sense so long as it does not it's not being used in where i'm working then that qualifies again to be additional services <clears throat> Now, um, I think before, before when I we think there was, uh-huh. uh, maybe there's, there's, there was a part which I was kind of a bit unclear about because there's a, there's a part where they were saying that part of the additional uh, services is whereby if you have to carry out works that have been abandoned by a contractor or if the contractor fails to properly perform uh, a contract, uh, or okay, or upon delay in the client. Okay, if the client fails to fulfill his obligations, that's kind of okay. But I'm also saying about if the if a contractor fails to do their work. So in this particular case, are we assuming the contractor was provided by the client, or how how would you how are you looking at that? Of course. Um... If um if I was involved, um let's say in the tendering stage, and then um in that process we're able to get a contractor who agreed or rather met the, the, the requirements of the works that we are supposed to have, um that stage is already closed out. We had agreed, we had spent time on it. But now when I go again, when this contractor disappoints understand and then now we get to a position where we need to get another contractor for the project to 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 proceed then the process of getting this contractor is what i am we are being pointed out here as um additional professional engineering services um as to whether the client provided or not depends again in um you see now if i picked this project as, as, as a company for example then it is within um in-house that that process um takes you can you can uh again this is not uh, prescriptive you can choose to charge or not charge but um but on the client side um if the client's the one who brought the contractor and um the client was the one who uh the delays come from the client side uh, so you, because now you your services are being sought to help the client get another subcontract that is able to deliver, then you cost that charges, you cost that service. Um, clear? Um, uh, <laughs> that does not make it's sense. Still a bit unclear. So, so would you assume like if, because now if you're the one who you're the one who came with the contractor and you're dealing with like you're dealing with that. So does that mean you are the one who has to absorb that kind of? Uh, if the contractor fails, it's now your responsibility to just because maybe you're the one who didn't do the work well, or in choosing you didn't choose you didn't do your due diligence in choosing a reliable contractor. Uh, well, the I cannot speak effectively to that because. Um, I might not have the privilege of experience, but my understanding is in such a situation, um, you know, sometimes um, the contractor 
can you would have worked with the contractor before you have done very good good projects before but um certain issues come up on the contractor side that you may not have been like outside your control that has made the contractor uh, be in a position not to deliver then in that case we can't really say that it is you that did um, a poor job again um with the the items or rather the specifications that you give for the contractor to meet if all the boxes are checked then we can assume that in that regard the contractor has met the threshold that you require them to have met but uh, if i brought the contractor uh, of course um, probably when we get to to the cost we can see where um, variation of costs arriving or rather how they they get into the project but um you can choose to absorb the cost i mean this is um, solely on the part of the farm or the engineer um and decide to not cost the service but again if in a situation where it is the client that has brought the contractor then you are off, you are offering an additional service to help the client select the contract okay i think maybe that's a point where i may i may need maybe to seek further clarity because i think it would be very important to be at least very clear about how that actually works whether uh just because I, i think it's just for me it's one of those gray areas so maybe in future we may find someone who actually has more preview to this to actually explain how that uh, how this rule particular because i think there, there are two rules which are kind of related because there's also another one which is talking about carrying if you have to carry out works and services arising from the failure of a client contractor or any other relevant person. I mean, when it comes to the client, if the client is the one who has failed to do something, you ask them to do something that's within uh that's within reason for you to charge them and say I asked you to do this but you didn't do it in in good time or whatever and I have to you're kind of like getting or interfering with my scope of work. That's that's kind of reasonable. But when now it comes to the contractor, I think maybe it would be prevalent to know if it re- if it needs to be regarded knowing who is the one who is responsible for the contractor whether the contractor is being provided by the client or it's being provided by the engineer but because for me personally i feel as if if i am the client and then i give you newton you're my lead engineer and i'm like you uh deal figure out all that you need to do and then you come and tell me oh this contractor failed now we need to charge you more money i'd feel a bit like uh you are i would feel a bit unfair in that kind of respect so i this is maybe just something that maybe we may need to just get more clarity on that point because right now it's just yeah. kind of subject, subject interpretation it's not very clear at least for me yeah 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 and, and also want to uh, um, also add in another variation to that because you know sometimes you can have a client who keeps on shifting goalposts they they keep on adding like small small scopes and we move a little bit oh you know now we, we have decided that we will construct a small house there so would you help us with your with your people to like um uh take this uh, uh let me say let me say um cable to to that place uh so you you are now having more casuals who are going to dig up the the, the ground or drop that cable and that was not initially part of what you were supposed to deliver or the client keeps on adding additional um 
let me just call it additional scope to the work that you're supposed to do uh, and because now you want to be good and um, have retained the client you just decide to do that okay I mean it's a small work let me just have my people do it um, again something to consider might uh, yeah I think for that, for, uh-huh. for that one I think it's it's you're protected by the rules because if you have to do any works resulting from if they're changing the scope the moment the scope changes that is additional work if they want to make alterations that is additional work now you can you can charge for those ones so those flaky people yes i think they probably the engineers who designed it uh, encountered them so yeah those ones you can just say oh you want to change this uh, now you're changing the scope now i'm going to have to charge you some more because this is not what we agreed on because at least that that because remember you have that contract so you're changing that scope now you can actually you you actually uh within reason to to charge them for that that's an additional service <laughs> Okay, um, probably in the future we shall get a guest that will be able to give us um, significant project examples on that. So uh, um, uh, the other one that I wanted to point out again on um, additional professional services um, was what I was giving an example before, of, that is for specialist nature. Um, you know now you might be very good with electronics and um, we just want you to come and troubleshoot our circuit. That um skill of yours of troubleshooting would be considered again um as as, as additional uh, professional engineering services if you are not if you're involved in a separate project or you come in just to help sort out that um so we're also seeing that you're being told here um if you're obtaining specialist technical advice um whether say your transformer is behaving in an abnormal manner and you can even receive that advice um, uh, via not necessarily in writing, but even um, just talking to you and saying, okay, you know now that could, what the problem that could be with that is look at this step and this and this step, look at the ratio that you're having, or go and look at um, FUSEX or something like that. That is, um, I mean, according to the board, considered to be um, additional professional engineering services. Um, Again, carrying out commissioning procedures. Very important. Um, you just come in, commissioning, additional professional engineering services. Um, yeah, so I think for me, uh, we are pretty covered on this um, item of um, additional professional engineering services. And this, of course, you have something else to point out. That's talking about, we're just basically talking about the, the general and the specialist additional provision of services. Yeah. Or are you talking about, because yeah, there are also other, when you're talking about, okay, fine. So you've done that because this is, this was the other aspect, I think when we were, when I was asking you about uh, the kind of like how you're, you're pricing the, 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 the scope. I mean, how you, how, how, I mean, how you're pricing the project, the contract, whether and dealing with the, whether you're having the lead engineer or, subdividing it yeah um i think we will tackle that effectively once we get to the section on um uh costing of the project or rather cost of works no see that's that's um, part of like that's kind of like dealt with it's here it's in the additional it's like part of the additional services if i'm not wrong yeah probably i didn't get the question um 
because he's, he's, he's just basically talking about now if a client appoints more than one engineer or firm uh and appoints one engineer to be the lead to be the lead over others the lead engineer has, can provide certain uh re, certain services sort of such as being responsible for the overall code in administration of all the sections so like having that kind of uh being the lead engineer now rather than it being part of the uh this is now like I'm, I'm assuming here is the client himself is saying i have different sections that i want to deal with uh i guess when you're talking about a building they're different you, you have of course you have different kinds of engineers you're involving and then it's the client who's who is now selecting these different people it's not like you as the in, as the firm saying we're the ones going to deal with it so now if you are appointed as the lead engineer you can now kind of now charge the client uh in the sense that to do that administrative work uh and also to do that administrative work to do the processing of any certificates or recommendations of payment because now like he's adding you more it's kind of like adding the uh administrative level administrative work to your engineering work so maybe that's just something i just wanted to kind of like uh add to the as part of uh, additional services uh especially if you are a, if you are, if you are a, a, in this is like just specific case whereby there are multiple engineers or in multiple engineering firms and it is the client themselves who has hired these multiple engineering firms and he has chosen to uh, to appoint one of them as uh the lead engineer so now you as a lead engineer you can charge for these services yeah yeah of course um we shall see that um again when we get to the I think there's a section that speaks to selection of the lead engineer and their deliverables for the lead engineer and there's um I mean directions on how the lead engineer is supposed to work. Um I think the, the basic interpretation of that would be um you see now it looks like from the the argument you are giving that it is the lead engineer who is taking instructions from the client. It is I think my understanding is it's it's supposed to be the lead engineer who is advising the client. And once the client has already um, made a decision that uh, Mr. Okiro is going to be my lead engineer, then the technical uh, um, directions are supposed to be emanating from Mr. Okiro. So that now the client only receives briefs. Okay, we have reached here. Client pay. We have reached here. Client, uh, we have a variation here. Um, this is what you are supposed to do. But if it comes from the point of view of um, the client uh, purchase goes, okay, brings civil engineer, uh, client again brings uh, electrical engineer, client brings um, um, uh, structural engineer separate. And then now um, it is the client that's doing the coordination that is recipe for kills. Um, no, I think, yeah, it's just, it's just the client who's, okay, the client has, has, has let's say, contracted these different engineering firms, but he appoints one of them to be the lead engineer. Yes, yes, correct. Yeah, so, so and, the, I, and, yeah. uh-huh. and I'm saying so, that mm-hmm. in this bit of the responsibility of the lead engineer, um, I think under the section, one of the sections we have been, we, we are being told what the responsibility of the lead engineer is and what is expected of the lead engineer. Now from there, we can deduce that um, once services are offered or services are sought that are outside the agreement, of the lead engineer, then that qualifies to be additional professional engineering service. 
but for the reason that you have already identified or rather you have been given directions that Mr. Okello, you will be the lead engineer, then in that regard, your scope is already cut out and um, the services that I think you're trying to point out would be captured in that um, directive. Should it be then that um, your services that are being, uh, are being sought outside the scope of the lead engineer that you had uh, been given because you cannot be a lead engineer without responsibility. That doesn't, uh, to me, doesn't make sense. So part of what you're saying is is what I am saying um, in the responsibilities that we are being directed, I think, in one of the schedules. Uh, and, okay, all I'm saying is like, you know, you know, you know there's, that, there's that standard, there's the standard services where we're talking about the different preliminary design, blah, 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 blah all those stages. Yes. But now I'm saying, like, if you are appointed as a lead engineer, uh-huh. you will be using. You, you will not. If that's not considered a standard service, that's considered as additional engineering service. Uh-huh. So whoever, so so whoever is appointed as the lead engineer, if you're going to be responsible, that's not that's not as a, a standard service. That's an additional. You're you're providing an additional that falls under the category of additional engineering service. So yes, you're given the responsibility, but it's not a standard service. It's an additional service. So whatever rate you're going to charge, you're going to charge it under additional. Uh, as an additional service, you're you're rendering to, uh, to the client, because you know essentially, like what, what it, it 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 makes sense because you are brought in. Let's say you're brought in. You you have been brought in. The client brought you in as. Uh, an electrical engineer, and that was like say the main mandate of how they contracted you. But they were like, "Oh, we also have these other people. Can you work with these other people? Can you now be the lead of these other people?" So, like, your you, you, your standard service was to to do elect- primarily electrical work, but now you have to coordinate these other people. It's kind of like now more because that now becomes less engineering work and more kind of like almost management work. So you as an engineer, how you're going, you're not going to charge, you're not going to charge the client under standard. It's going to be, you're charging them using the guidelines in the additional services. Okay. Okay. Which also means that um, if I'm procured directly to be the lead engineer without the caveat that uh, I'm coming in as part of the electrical team or the electrical um, engineering team, then in that regard would would I still qualify as part of the additional engineering services? At that point, I would say no. Like if you're like, if they just come and say, the client just comes and says, I want this done and I want you to do everything, you and only you, and you're the only one who's been contracted and every, you're, like you're, you're the project lead for everything from the get-go, then that means that one, you, you it will not be under, the, it will not fall under this. It's just only when, so if you're like, you're like the farmer and you know you need these different kinds of engineers, it is up to you to obtain these engineers. It is within your control. You choose who you want. But now in this case, it's whereby the client says, this is who I want to do the civil engineering. This is who I want to do the electrical engineering. This is who I want to do the mechanical works. But I would like you to 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 supervise or to to coordinate them. So that's now the difference. So it's, you, you, you get the difference. Yeah, 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 yeah. I understand. I yeah. understand. I mean, uh, it's, it's pretty clear. Yeah. But but yeah, some, uh, I've also remembered something again. Um, part of what we are also being directed on um, on-site supervision works as part of additional professional engineering services. Um, I just wanted to point out that uh, the rules are actually very clear here. Um, and it says that it is 
the um, the control and responsibility for the supervision of works shall fall squarely on the engineer, professional engineer, or the firm that has been procured for the professional engineering services, and that um, all directions would be taken from the engineer. It's it's important to point out that responsibility because um, it is the engineer now that uh, will be questioned when things do not go right. It's the engineer that's, that, that ensures that things are done according to the engineering principles and according to um, the directions that have also been given. And if in the opinion, again, very important, if in the opinion of the engineer, the nature of works requires full-time own supervision, then the engineer is directed again to advise the client of that fact and then go further and advise the qualification of the persons, the qualifications of the person that's supposed to um, do that work. Um, that is additional service because the client might not be aware that um, this is any yeah, this is a, a complex project. This is a complex scope. I need somebody who can do and deliver the job, um, and as professionally as possible. So it is the it is the engineer. The most important thing here is that in the opinion of the engineer, you know, sometimes we might not be empowered to give opinions sufficiently. But if, for example, Mr. Okello is thinks that eh, any ikazi. It's important again to mention that um, in that instance, it is necessary that um, uh, the, the engineer, uh, I mean, that point comes out quite clear. Yes, and uh, with that, I think from my end, um, I've captured all that I wanted to point out in this. Uh, yeah yes. so i think yeah mm-hmm. i think today yeah we have covered quite a quite a bit we've introduced we've given the motivation for why the the engineer rules scale office exists we've talked about what uh the standard professional engineering services are i think it's inception preliminary design detailed design next is what tender tender um, tender the states tender Tender stage, then the construction. No, no, it's the contract administration, and, and then, then the closeout. Out. Yeah, yeah. So those are that's just basically the, the professional. Then now we have just finished off with the just descri- describing what the additional professional engineering services are, and I think we want to finish this episode at that. But that means there's going to be a part two, which is also pretty interesting. Which now we get to talk about money, how the money is, how the skill of fees actually works, because now there's this. We, as we've talked about the standard professional service, there's a scale of fees for how you, you should charge for the standard professional services. And then there's a scale of fees for additional professional engineering services. And then there's also a section for other payments for for professional engineering services and miscellaneous provisions. So at least that part will start now will advise you maybe going forward, how are you supposed to be compensated for the work that you do? Yeah. Yeah, and I think that would be probably where our listeners would be more keen or rather um, um, unfortunate that, again, one hour was not sufficient for us to get to that point. Uh, because addressing the question of how do you value your work um, has a dichotomy of two, I, I mean, um, two components. One would be um, knowing exactly what is required of you. And then again, how do you um, compensate that because you cannot you cannot ask for a compensation from a vacuum for, for something that you, you you even clearly do not understand so that now for example if I'm supposed to give work let's say to person X it would be interesting to know that um, 
person X is aware exactly what is supposed to be done. And part of knowing exactly what is supposed to be done is you substantiating and defending even your your costing. And and for you to say, when I get to preliminary stage, you are supposed to give me 60%. And then now when we come to the preliminary stage, I tell you, okay, this is what you're supposed to do. This is what you're supposed to get. These are the outputs. At least you are t- you find that from the client's point of view, you're quite um, some level of satisfaction that, yeah, I know this somebody who knows what he's supposed to do. is good for the job, can do the job. I think um, in our next session, we'll be able to really go deep into it. Um and see what the board is trying to direct us on how we're supposed to work on that. I think it was um, pretty and um, an interesting uh, conversation to have. Uh, challenging again from from I mean um, the perspective that we have also uh, been pointing out because there are certain things I have not seen from how you were able to see it. Yeah, and also we'd like to invite, like we say, this is just our own subjective opinions or interpretations of this work so if you're listening to this and you're like oh my god these people got that thing so wrong you can <laughs> send us an email to let us learn and learn more or even just leave a comment at least if you're on youtube you can leave a comment on youtube um our email is the podcast at gmail.com or however you want to send we would love to hear because let's just put it this is a discussion that we want to have well, we're also learning and we just want to have, let's just say we are we are stirring up the pot so that conversation can be brought around this very, very important topic. Yeah, very true, by the way. Um, and, and, and for the questions that you have, again, um, you, if you are a client, if you are a consumer of uh, engineering services, again, you can point us out to the gray areas that are probably in your experience in the, in the in take, partaking in the services, you think that the engineering fraternity is supposed to improve on um, or if some, there's something that we missed, yes, you can um, reach out to us again as um, Bonaparte has said. We are open. Um, feedback is good just to help us to even improve this um, uh, services and even as a country as we move forward. I think uh, it's necessary again that um, you share your feedback, feel empowered, um, and and will respond to you adequately. Okay, all right. So hopefully we'll see you in yeah the part two of engineers' rules. Look forward to that. Kabisa. If you're hearing this message, you've listened to the entire episode, and for that, we want to say a big thank you. Handisi the Engineers Podcast is produced and edited by Onyango Kelo and hosted by myself, Loret Newton. You can also listen to other episodes by searching for Handisi the Engineers Podcast on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. We would love to get any feedback you may have to help us improve. You are welcome to send an email to themhandisi at gmail.com. And one final request, if you can, Share this episode with one person whom you think would benefit from it. Thanks again and see you next time.